In the first 18 months of business, some days has reached over two and a half billion people with their viral campaigns, generated over a million dollars in revenue, and built a community with over 500,000 people. Listen to hear how Lux Perry, the founder of Some Days, continues to accomplish great things by tackling problems that are near and dear to their heart. They are combining the science of muscle recovery and the latest research on chronic pain to develop period pain relief experiences and it is taking off like wildfire. We have some great laughs and some great conversations. So without further ado, let's hear Lux's story. Hi Lux, thanks for joining us on the show. I'm so excited to have you and you have a fantastic story and I can't wait to hear it, but um, thanks for joining us. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to chat. Yay. Cool. So <clears throat> I love the name of your company, Some Days, and would love to learn and hear about how you became a founder. Um, it sounds like it was in your blood from a very early age. So want to hear that backstory and how'd you get here? And then we will uh, dive into what Some Days is all about in your journey. But how'd you become an entrepreneur? Uh I think that I was born an entrepreneur, which people always, always like, there's always like that debate about like whether you become one or you can teach yourself to be one. I really think that there is something in me that is innately entrepreneurial. I was like making classes, like figuring out ways that I could like gather children to teach them and then turn that into like a system when I was like seven. So I was nuts. That's awesome. Um, and I, and I always have been. And when I was like 20, I launched my first business, which was like a furniture manufacturing and design company with my partner. And I loved that. I was all in into that for five years. And then, Wait a minute. so you created furniture, you manufactured furniture at the age of 20. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. D- designed and then learned how to build it. So I got my trade in cabinet making while I was doing that. I launched a business without knowing how to make it. I sold the first piece of, piece of furniture I'd ever made and acted like I had made a thousand. A thousand. Um, <laughs> as all entrepreneurs do. Yeah, um, right. You fake it until you make yeah. it, right? <laughs> Very much so. Yeah. I mean, because the reality is that none of us have any idea what we're doing. There's no way to like really understand entrepreneurship other than, you know, diving right in. I really love that quote. I don't, I don't know who said this first, which I should really look into about like entrepreneurship is like building a, building an airplane while you're flying it. And I think that that's so incredibly accurate. Yep. And, uh, building it when you're going on many different routes. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Landing, taking (laughs) off. (laughs) Mm -hmm. yep engines go out all the time (laughs) yeah for sure so then so yeah I launched that business and then I left that when I was about 25 took a break went back into the workforce hated it um absolutely couldn't understand how I was gonna make that work for me especially as a person with chronic illness it just like adhering to somebody else's schedule and being and then on top of that being stifled by I use the word stifled, which is a bit harsh, but for me, I like, I'm an ideas person and working for somebody else never really panned out for me because I have too many ideas. Right. Uh, I, a I quick don't. question though for you. 
when yeah. you went back into the workforce, um, what kind of position did you move into? Because I've actually had founders come to me that want to transition, um, say they have kids or something and they, they want to transition back into the workforce and they feel very lost. So doing the deep dive of trying to figure out where, where to place them because your skill set's so broad. How did you sort that out or what did you go back into? That's a great question. And I think something for sure, I can see that that would be such a huge um, challenge. And it was for me because you generally entrepreneurs have such um, unusual skill sets that aren't easy to put into a resume. Um, and so it's really, get, it's really difficult to get people to uh, see the value that you bring. Uh, because a lot of it is idea making, execution, the ability to learn things quickly. Um, I just made like a really soft sidestep out of what I was doing and worked for another furniture design mm. company. Mm -hmm. So I worked in sales and design. Um, so that was like an easy segue for me mostly, but I mean, I had like no seniority or authority in the way that I did as a founder. And for me, it was really about taking a break. So that was okay with me at that time. I have a difficult time imagining how people could move laterally unless you get hired at like another small business startup or like somebody that's looking for somebody to drive, um, you know, the ship a little bit, but it's difficult. Yeah. I just really, I really like boiled down my like hard skills and was like, okay, what can I do that's related to those so that I can take a mental break? Mm -hmm. But it was too much of a mental break. I was like journaling all day long about all the businesses <laughs> I was going to build. <laughs> How long was this break? <laughs> it was, uh, I think it ended up being like three, it felt like eternity, but I think it was only like three years. Okay. Yeah. Three years. Cause I launched some days okay. two years ago. That's so, all. I mean, at least you like regrouped and reset, right? Like, I think that's probably the most important, but that's a long time to be down, like yeah, out of the mindset. I, yeah. And I could see how you were going stir crazy. I can't even imagine. <laughs> yeah. It, it felt like eternity, but I really wanted to like, I knew that the next project I wanted to work on was going to be the thing that I really sunk my teeth into. And I had lots of like little opportunities or like little ideas and nothing quite landed that was like, this is the one until some right. days came along and I was like, this is it. I'm all in. I, I'm ready to commit. And then, okay. So how did you come up with the idea for some days? You were talking about that. Were you sitting thinking of like, okay, I know I'm an entrepreneur and I've got to come up with an idea or did you just have this light bulb moment of like, oh, this is it. Uh, my journey into some days was gradual. So while I was working my other, you know, regular nine to five, I was approached to do, um, like brand development for this startup, uh, like through friends, I wasn't looking for anything and they were going to run an e-commerce brand. I'd never really learned anything about e-commerce. Like back when I launched my business, we had a little bit of e-com, but like, that wasn't really our main thing. We mostly like went in person to people's houses and furnished like whole houses. And so it's like more like you find a few big clients a year instead of having to attract thousands of customers. And mm -hmm. so that kind of introduced me to e-com and I was like, oh, this is interesting. And then um, I saw some parallels between what they were doing and because um, they worked in muscle recovery in high, high performance athletes. And 
because I worked there, I had to learn a little bit about their formulations and, and how it worked. And I was like, oh, I could use this to relieve my pain. And so I like sort of approached them about it and, and was like, I think there's an opportunity here. And they were like, eh, it's not really our focus. I was like the only non-man at that job. Uh, and so they were like, that, that sounds weird, <laughs> period pain. <laughs> so you, you can feel free to do that. And I was like, great. Uh, and then, so I just sort of, so, and I had been using like similar, you know, formulations on myself for a long time. And so I just kind of was like, hmm, I wonder if there's a way to take all of this uh, the billions of dollars poured into other pain relief categories and use that, you know, research that already exists to formulate products specifically for period pain. That could be like a quick way to market. And so I started doing that and it grew really quickly. And then I, I left that job and my other one, it was like the beginning of the pandemic and it wasn't, I didn't really know how that some days would be the thing. I was like, I'm just, I have to start because I was really getting to the end of my rope <laughs> of like, I can't, can't be working for somebody else anymore. Um, and this is something personal to me. I think it has longevity because I care so deeply about it. I'm like, okay with talking about it forever and ever. Amen. And mm -hmm. so once it started rolling was really when I started to see, oh, this has wheels. It's this legs. Like, yeah. Yeah. So it's possible that, um, that I could that I could grow this. Like it's such a small category that there wasn't really a model for whether or not people were looking for that. I knew in my personal life and in my own personal experience and my close circle that people had period pain, but it was hard to see it on like a large scale until, until we saw the trend. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> I know a ton of people that have it, mm -hmm. but I don't know any, I mean, maybe there, it's not that I've researched it, but I've never heard of a company like yours. I've never heard of, I mean, Motrin and yeah. Advil, right? Ibuprofen and um, yeah. the pill or shots or something of that nature, right? Yeah. Pharmaceutical, that's about the only, and then you just suck it up and take a few days off work. Yeah. Right? Like that's. Yeah. Which doesn't seem like great options. No. <laughs> <laughs> to me, none of those are great. Right. Op you know, I mean, everybody, something different works for everybody, but I was like, the current options that I'm provided with are not the ones that I want. And yeah. So that's really. Hey, so I want I want you to tell the audience exactly like what some days is all about, but I do have a quick question. And you say you were talking about simulating or something. Is there anything out there that can um, duplicate the pain, period pain, so you can prove to an individual that? like what that feels like. Like I know the pregnancy or labor thing. I know that there's that out there, but is there anything for period pain? Yeah. So we have a period pain simulator that we deployed. Do. Yeah. So we launched it June of 2022 uh, and it went mega viral. So essentially it's like a low frequency um, device that initiates or triggers cramping in your lower abdomen and your legs. And then sometimes you're back. We have, we have additional nodules that you can put on your back. Um, and so, so the we, consumer can buy this. So no, I could buy this. We don't sell it. No, no we don't sell Dang it. Dang it. I need something. <laughs> we, get, we get asked from a lot of people if we'll sell it. And to tell you the truth, the main reason we can't sell it is because people are a little bit vicious. 
And so we have, we, there's no way for us to make sure that people, <laughs> people use it in like a kind and educational and uh, way because, yeah. uh, because people are angry, uh, and yeah. they really want people to know what it feels like. And so we haven't figured out a way to do that. But, right. um, so like, see. for instance, this is getting personal, but my daughter's dad mm-hmm. thinks that he has no empathy or sympathy. He's one of five boys and he thinks a period is part of life and you got to suck it up and there's no missing school. There's nothing like that's just something you got to deal with. And that's just every day. He d- cannot grasp no concept, right? It's so really I'm, common. I think that it would be fantastic to at least like let them in on the little secret. Like this is not fun. Right. I know. I know. I think it's really common for people to take that approach. And I think even, even people who have periods sometimes will take a similar stance. Cause they're like, well, it doesn't bother me. I managed to mm. get to work. And it's like, well, we all experience pain differently. And, and there might be underlying conditions that we have that you don't. Um, and it was just so, so when we launched the simulator, we, we've probably run it on a thousand people by now. And it's been seen by 3 billion people online. Like it went crazy viral. And it became very obvious very quickly that the people we were connecting to the device had no idea what to expect and that they, none of them could withstand the levels that people with periods were able to endure, which was like a fascinating comparison. Mm. And, and then, but like, a lot of them shared really personal stories about how, you know, the people in their life suffer and how they really want to understand, but it's difficult to even fathom, you know, what that might be like or to imagine. And so, yeah, I hope that one day we're able to provide that tool for education. Mm-hmm. But in the meantime, I would direct them to our videos because those men are deeply suffering and it, it's very cathartic for us, informative for people who don't understand. Yeah. I need to look up some of those videos. Yeah, they're on TikTok. Whenever you release that simulator tool, (laughs) I'll put me on your top of the list to get it because it would be great. Let you know. (laughs) Anyway, okay. So tell us about some days. What are you? um, What are you doing? You've got lots (laughs) of fun products. Yeah. So we design safe, natural, effective period relief. Um, that is a pleasure to use. So we use um, pleasurable components. It's all of our pain relief products are sort of spa inspired. And the reason behind that is because there's new research out about chronic pain. Period pain is considered chronic pain um, about chronic pain pathways and that incorporating pleasurable experiences and positive associations can actually lower our pain levels. And so We've taken pain relieving ingredients, infused them into like spa like products like creams, body oils, baths, things like that, um, and incorporated this like added element that makes it a a joy really to use. And so we get a lot of people being like, I've never looked forward to my period before. And, and now I do. And that is really where we're trying to get is that you're not trying to avoid this experience. You're able to lean into it that you know, we're not eliminating period pain completely. Um, Mm -hmm. it's such a complex thing for, and such an individual experience, but by creating positive associations and providing natural relief, uh, people are able to, you know, continue about their life without being, you know, taken off their feet every once a month. It's such a frequent experience that it's so important to be able. And it hits different every month, right? Like real. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So 
tell us where you're at in from a um, startup founder stage, like from a company standpoint, and then um, we'll start there. And then I have some questions. So yeah. like, where are you at in the process? Uh, okay. Well, first, I always like to preface that I have no connection to anybody in business. So I don't come from like a background of people with money or people with connections or people with education. N nobody in my family has gone to university. Uh, and so my particular story is very much a uh, self-taught learning along the way, um, starting with absolutely nothing. So there was no, you know, catalyst Love at it. the beginning. Right. Uh, and so where we're at right now is that we, we did our first raise, um, which I knew nothing about, uh, when I did it, we, we went on TV first. So we did like the Canadian version of shark tank. We were invited to be on that three or four months after we launched. How we fun. What was that like? Uh, it was the most nerve wracking thing I've done in my, or it was up until that point, the most nerve wracking thing I'd ever done since then. It's been like, that, that feels like peanuts. Um, but it was very scary, uh, really validating, uh, we ended up getting a deal. And then after that, we ended up walking away from that deal because we got a better one off the show. Uh, uh, and so an angel investor approached us and said, you know, I'm interested in what you're doing. And so we took our first round of funding, which was like less than half a million uh, within the first year. And then, and then we took out a loan uh, about a year after that. And now we're gearing up for our um, Series A. So basically okay. we took seed, we grew with capital and then like with, um, debt financing and now we're moving on to our series A. Are you going angel or are you going VC or do you care? Uh, we have a lot of angels floating around. We're open to VC. Um, but we haven't, we haven't decided yet. Yeah. I feel like it's a vastly different experience. That's why I was asking. Yes, I think it is. And I think that's why we're hesitant. Our relationship with our current angel is just so personal, so relaxed, um, such like a mutual relationship, uh, low pressure in the way of like, they trust us and it, because it's a personal relationship. And my understanding from people I've spoken to about VC is that when you're partnered with an institution, it's a lot more, um, you know, numbers driven, not that, not that our numbers aren't good, but that it's, it's this really high pressure environment of, uh, having to drive growth above everything else instead of, mm -hmm. you know, being concerned about the type of business you're building and how you're building it. Now, do you manufacture your products hands-on or do you outsource those? Like, what does that look like? We do all manufacturing in-house because my background was in furniture manufacturing. I had a little bit of skill in developing manufacturing efficiencies. And so I leaned into that and, yeah. uh, and then at the beginning of the pandemic, there was like, and still there's all of this like crazy supply chain, you know, oh, for sure. I mean, problems and gossip about how that's only going to get worse. I don't know if gossip is the right word, but news that that's, that's only word on the street. a bigger problem. Yeah. yeah. So we really strategically, we were like, we want to have full control of our ability to adapt those products, um, the ability to develop new products quickly, um, yeah, and have full control over that process. So do you have a chemist on staff or did you put these yeah, combinations we, together? Well, they're mostly my own formulations and then we partner with a lab. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then <clears throat> um, how many employees do you have? Mm, 
I think at the moment we have five or six in-house and then, and then multiple agencies. So like third party. So outsourcing. Okay. Yeah. And you're generating revenue. Yes, we are. So we are, we've been generating revenue for two years and we crossed the million. That's awesome. The million mark, like early last year. That's amazing. That's fantastic. Okay. So as on your journey, cause it's, you just started this right before COVID, right? So this has yeah, been a pretty well, we fast launched, road. Yeah. We launched some days the spring of 2021. Okay. So we're that's two years. Really, that's really great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm very, so great. what would you contribute your success to? Mm, I mean, this is so cliche, but I think storytelling, I think that some days is really unique in the way that it's deeply personal to us. Um, and we leaned really heavily into that cause we didn't, we didn't have any money. We didn't have any resources, you know, we didn't have any reach. Uh, and so we were like, well, how do we, you know, connect with people? And that was through sharing our stories and other people's stories, um, and building this like really committed core group of, of loyalists, um, who, who we relate to, first of all, I mean, they support me as much as we support them. Uh, and then, and then continuing to build on that. And then we found a lot of success in, you know, like guerrilla style marketing, um, obviously our viral campaigns. So we've launched a few viral campaigns. So that looks like investing more time into, uh, you know, what is really going to make an impact as opposed to all of these, like, distributing funds or resources across all these little channels, like all these different yeah. channels and doing like yeah. ads here and this and this. We're like, no, let's focus all of our energy onto something that's going to have a big. Okay. Impact. So enlighten, enlighten me. What's a viral campaign? I don't know what that is. So a viral campaign is something that is shared organically. So not paid. Um, okay. and it's shared organically. I believe the metric is over a million times. Okay. Um, so like to, a TikTok be- going crazy. Yeah. Going viral. So our first one was before we were on TikTok. So it was like a people have periods campaign and it was, we photographed 14 trans men in underwear with bloodstains. And that was uh, very radical at the time and uh, received a lot. That one was just shared on Twitter like a month ago with like 20 million views. So that's still going. Um, And we learned a lot from that campaign. And then our second viral one was related to our my endometriosis on TikTok. I think that got 14 million views. It was just sort of about my journey. And then our third viral one was the period pain simulator. We launched it at we launched it at a rodeo with cowboys. So we <laughs> hooked all of these cowboys. Oh, sorry, my headphone fell up. We hooked all of these cowboys up to the period pain simulator and it was comedic gold. Uh, and it reached three billion people in six months. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. No, no, three billion is that on YouTube? Is that on TikTok? Is that on Facebook? Across- or is it all together? So three billion is our total reach across all platforms. We were we got in on TV multiple times with that device. So we did like a little tour in the U.S. to some U.S. outlets. We did Canadian shows, uh, a lot of podcasts, a lot of radio. So it just kind of was a snowball effect. Yeah, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. So what would you say your biggest obstacles have been thus far? Mm. Uh, 
okay, I have this one obstacle that I never know how to articulate to people. And that is that you don't know what you don't know. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And so when you're on your own and you don't have a network around you, it's very difficult to know what next steps are because I am just feeling around. I never had any idea that we would end up where we are. And so it's a lot of like, okay, now what, what is the next step? And having to like, you know, because I don't have that deep network in business, it's like, where can I find those resources and how can I connect with those people? And so networking has been a really difficult thing when you're not, you know, born into, or you don't go to school to network with a bunch of those people. Um, I think that's been the biggest hurdle. And then the second one is team building, uh, for sure. So figuring out, which is sort of tied to that. It's like, well, what is the next hire? You know, what, what's the next person that we need to get to the next step? Um, and this year we're really focused on team building. So if you are interested in working for some days, please reach out. Uh, are are your employees all in Canada or are they remote? We're open to remote. Okay. Um, I can so, talk to you offline about that. <clears throat> great. We are definitely <laughs> looking. Uh, okay. And and I know there's so much talent, you know, freed up in the world at the moment because of all the layoffs. Uh, but yeah, it's been, it's a challenge and I anticipate it will always be a challenge the more we grow. Yeah. Plus it's, I think it's tough um, hiring for a startup of this stage because you, it's, it's extremely crucial and important, like yes. one mistake and you can be doomed. Right. Yeah. It's high stakes hiring for sure. Cause you, yeah. you need somebody who's like the next level, but you are trying to balance the reality of your current situation. It's, it's this very delicate ba- balance. Right. Right. And they have to, ha- there's so many things involved. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> that's a whole nother conversation. Um, <clears throat> interesting. So if you, had advice for other founders, what would you say someone that's just starting out or someone that has an idea, right? Mm -hmm. Like what would you, what advice would you give? Okay. Well, some, I think there's two parts of that. So one is for the people that just have an idea. Uh, it is the, the absolute scariest part of all of your journey from my perspective is the like first step. Uh, so for me, that was like ordering the ingredients for our first batch of cream. That's what I did first to, to start sampling. And I like sat and stared at my computer and that bill for, I don't know, three weeks before I like hit the enter button. And I had already done it, you know, like I'd already owned a business and I was still petrified of that jump. And I really think that, yeah, you have to, you have to get that momentum and you have to like take that leap. Um, and then, and then, and then it's hard every day after that, but it, but it is a joy. Right. And then for people that are just, people that are just starting, I think that if I could tell myself anything, you know, two years ago, it would be to start networking then that I overlooked the importance or like the amount of help that I would need, um, from other people and that connecting with people is so powerful. Um, a for building your business, but also for morale. Uh, it's really lonely being a founder and the further you get into it, the lonelier it is. Cause there are fewer and fewer people doing what you're doing, especially if you're like in a, I mean, I'm not in a particularly small town, but it's only like 600,000 people. There's only a handful of people that can relate to you and 
it's a really good idea to connect with them. Yeah. So how do you overcome that? Like, where do you, have you started networking? Have you started solving this obstacle? Yeah. So one of the things I did was I joined, I took a course and the course wasn't entirely relevant to me, but I was like, I got a feeling that there are other people in this course that I would like, um, who might take it. And, and that was sort of the gateway. I met a lot of people through that. Uh, I let my, I met my mentor through that who has like really changed, um, the way I look at a lot of things and I'm so grateful for her. So that, that is really the biggest thing I took away from that. And then further to that is, um, reaching out to other founders and just sort of like, and remembering that none of us have any idea. Like it's really, it's really easy to look from the outside and think that they have it more together than you and they know more and they're in a different, you know, uh, they're on a different level and that's not always true. It's, it's, uh, very misleading. Mm-hmm. And so I just sort of, you know, yeah, reassured myself that these people also are probably looking for connection and nine times out of 10, they are. And so they're very willing. To Absolutely. Huh. Interesting. I like it, but it's so true, <clears throat> especially the lonely part, like, cause you're so busy. Yep. I think you have to genuinely make an effort to the, do the networking thing, but I think you're right. It's crucial. It's crucial. Yeah. And having friends is different than having people who can relate to what you're doing. You know, there gets to a certain point where the people in your personal life or your personal circle aren't interested, A, in what you're doing. I mean, business is like very niche. If you're not into business, it's very boring to you. Uh, It's not boring to me. Obviously, I could talk about it all day. Um, And then I think also like you, you need people who deeply understand. So even if they don't find it boring, they might not really understand the the absolute roller coaster that your day just was, you know, maybe you've had like, you had one of the high points of your career in the morning. And then by evening, everything is crashing down. And that seems to happen like five times a week. So Mm -hmm. you really need people who understand. Yeah, for sure. So I want to go back to when you were working at that company and you are affected by one of the reasons why you started this is because you were directly affected by endometriosis. I said it right. This time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, <clears throat> so how does the m- health and the mental health and like from a, s- I'm assuming those symptoms don't go away. So from a starter uh, stand, uh, oh my gosh, <laughs> founders standpoint, how does your health affect being a founder and can you shed some light on like your um view your point of view from that and maybe your personal experience you know that's a great question and one that i am consistently pondering and one that we ponder as as an organization of how do we integrate the values that we're trying to teach people you know about uh balance and how do we incorporate that into our company structure And for context, I've had two surgeries for my endometriosis since I launched some days, um, like pretty invasive surgeries and, and have spent, and have probably, I've been in the ambulance twice and been in the emergency room. Oh my God, at least a handful of times. So it's still a very, very real part of my life. And it absolutely disrupts, um, my work obviously occasionally. Um, however, I, I'm at a, I'm at a 
pretty good point in my journey where I'm having the least amount of symptoms I've ever had. So I'm grateful. And I think that a lot of that is about, which I think is, is a really funny way of talking about it. I think a lot of that is because of some days, um, you know, I mean, not all our products support my pain relief, obviously that's why I have mm-hmm. them, but also because I'm so committed to the mission of some days and the things that I want to accomplish there, I've in turn become more committed to my health and wellness because I know mm-hmm. that I need to be healthy and <laughs> well right. in order to do the things that I want. And so I have more routine in my life than I've ever, ever had. Um, I'm much more diligent about, uh, the way I treat my body, uh, knowing because it, for me now there's like such a, an obvious impact when I'm not following these routines and taking care of myself on my ability to do my job and my pain levels, because I'm, I'm just more, um, conscious of how those things, uh, affect me. Mm-hmm. And so I think, yeah, in a really funny way, some days has helped me build a routine in my life that helps me maintain my health. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then like to break that down into, into smaller parts looks like saying no when I need to and maintaining boundaries in the workplace of like, if I doesn't matter what kind of important meeting, like I had to turn down a, a TV show opportunity recently last in the summer, uh, cause I was in the middle of a flare and that was really, really difficult it's really easy for us to say no and entrepreneurship really encourages us, uh, or sorry to say no to yourself and entrepreneurship really encourages us to abandon ourselves, Mm -hmm. um, in the pursuit of success, whatever that means to us. And I think that because of the type of business that I'm building, I'm really fortunate to be reminded constantly by our community Mm -hmm. Uh, and the work that we're doing that that doesn't serve anyone. Right. So it sounds like what you're saying is that if it were a different product, say this product because of the product and, and what the company stands for and what the company's doing, it has forced you to internally get things in order and be on a schedule and treat yourself well. Right. Exactly curious if you didn't have this, if you had a different product, we'll just say furniture, for instance, and your furniture company was blowing up, would you be in the same boat? No, I was deeply unwell. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think, I think now maybe because I've learned the value of taking care of myself, but for sure I, I was not well in that business. I abandoned myself consistently. I put my health last Um, and then just begrudged myself every time that I had a flare or that it impacted my ability to work. I was just angry. And now I'm just grateful that my body tells me when I need a rest. Um, and it's really about a mindset shift, you know, like I had a stressful couple weeks in February. And when I get stressed, I get this very specific pain in my back. I have like a a deteriorating disc. And it flares anytime I'm stressed. And I didn't even know that I was stressed was the funniest part. And then I was like, oh, my back is doing that thing. And then it cued me. And then I was like, oh, I need to be, you know, putting more energy into being mindful and actually recognizing uh, how this particular thing is impacting me. 
Mm-hmm. And I think that that's a skill that anybody could implement at any business is tuning in to your body and mindfulness sounds so cheesy in so many ways. Uh, but it really, it is, I mean, I laugh cause I say, unfortunately, cause a lot of people don't want to practice mindfulness, <laughs> but unfortunately it works right? Uh, right. And, and has such a big impact. It's really prevalent in founders that you can be stressed, but you don't know you're stressed. And it's like, I don't even know if it's a subconscious thing. I have no idea, but I too have gone down the road of, I apparently I was extremely stressed, but I like talking and acting. I didn't think I was stressed, but my body, uh, yeah, like hot mess years of fixing, right? Like still fixing. I don't. And so now I understand those trigger things. However, I feel like you don't know it until you get to the point of hospitalization or the point of like, okay, now we're in deep waters here and this is like not fun and not good. And I would wonder what the percentage of founders are that actually do say no, do take care of themselves because I think you're exactly right. I feel like there's this pressure on founders, like you're running a rat race and you, you, it's not, you can't get things done fast enough and you don't know what you're doing and it's overwhelming as heck, but you got to figure out the problems and the solutions. And like, you don't know anything about this part, but you're going to learn like, um, like thinking about your business, for instance, I wouldn't even know where to begin to like start manufacturing a product or put where to get the ingredients and packaging and oh gosh the thought of it just like blows my mind right so i think that there are a lot of founders that are on this road and they're just like in the hamster wheel you know and then it would be cool to like break that cycle before they get to the point of having surgeries and hospitalization visits and stays and you know what i mean i don't and i don't know what the answer is. I don't think there is a clear cut answer, but, uh, I think it's certainly a hot topic or a big impactful situation on founders today. Yeah. I think that, well, for me, I think my, particularly my surgeries and hospitalizations are, you know, from a chronic disease. So I don't think there's anything that would avoid that particular thing, but in general, people, absolutely make themselves incredibly ill, uh, all in the name of success. And I think that for me, I mean, I'm still early in my journey, but I think for me, it's listening to people who have done the thing that you want to do, you know, whatever your goal is and finding founders that have successfully done that. And nine times out of 10, those people are taking care of themselves. Mm -hmm. So the people that accomplish the thing that you want to accomplish are taking care of themselves. The people that started and didn't make it is often, I I would imagine it's often because of burnout. Uh, And so incorporating that into your strategy is imperative. Yeah. And burnout can happen to anyone, obviously. Mm -hmm. I think though it's amazing to me how many illnesses or ailments are all, I feel like, the common denominator is stress. I feel like yeah. stress is like the source of everything, to be honest. Um, 
And I think burnout is real. And I also think sometimes it takes a while to get out of burnout. Like I don't, there's, there's a study that says it takes five years or something really to properly recover from burnout. Yeah. Which is why I think I ended up back in the workforce for so long, you know, like your brain just, you can't, you lose the ability to make those sort of decisions all day long. Eventually you just reach a point where you can't anymore. Yeah. I, I can relate. I can relate. And it's almost like when you have the minds of the found, the founder mind and the entrepreneur mind and you hit burnout, I feel like you go through this stage where you're like, I know my motivation is somewhere and I can see it, but I can't get there. There's like a, this, like, I want to be back to that level, maybe not doing the exact same thing, but, but I don't feel like doing anything. <laughs> I'm just gonna, I just can't put my mind there. Right. Like there's, Definitely. I don't know. It's just so weird. Yeah. Sometimes I experience, sometimes I experience that in micro versions, you know, like I have periods of time where I work, I mean, and this can also be tied to your menstrual cycle and sometimes it's hard to recognize, but I have periods of work where I am extremely focused and can accomplish like incredible amounts of things. Like it's just shocking. And then I will hit a week where I'm like, I, I love my job. I love every single thing that I do. And I cannot motivate myself to work this week. Like my brain is like, you need rest. And I think, so like in some small way, I'm like, I actually need to shut down and unplug. And it's, yeah, this never ending balance and check in with yourself to make sure that you're taking the rest when you can and when you need it so that it doesn't accumulate and it takes three to five years to recover. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I've had to train myself. I used to put an enormous amount of guilt on myself. If I did not, I come from a workaholic family. Mm -hmm. They, they just worked. That's all they did. They did. It's not like they're wealthy. They just worked. I'm like, what did this solve anyway? So it was a very ingrained and, um, I have had to unravel all that side note though, but I hit burnout and I hit burnout last year and I'm still processing, trying to get out of, I mean, I'm, I'm good, but not, not fully recovered yet. Right. Yeah. Um, I don't think you can force it. I think it's just something that takes time. Yeah. And you know what? I, I think you're right. Like if you learn to just listen to yourself, like I'll sit at the computer and I'm like, what am I doing? Like, I'm just sitting here staring at the computer. I'm like, this is worthless. The value, the value of work. And if it's not good quality, the quality of work is not going to be good if I'm Mm -hmm. just halfway doing it. Right. So I just walk away. I've learned to, all right. Like I give, I must be supposed to be doing something else. I don't know. Right. Submitting Uh, to your wellness. Yeah. But I think it's really hard for Mm -hmm. people to get there. Um, I, especially if you're in the grit and the grind of starting a startup. For sure. And I think like, even if we touch like circle back to talking about VC capital, I think that there's not a lot of, I don't know can't say because I don't personally have VC funding, but that there's, from my understanding, not a lot of room for that, like personal understanding of the ebb and flow 
of right. values in our right. needs. I think it really depends on your VC. True. But I would probably have the same thought process that you do from all the stories that I've heard. Yeah. Uh, it feels very stressful just thinking <laughs> about it. It does. <laughs> yeah. I think this is stressful enough already. What are your goals? Like, do you have a vision of an aspiring of like, are you going to take this to a certain point and start another one? Like, do you see that far in advance? I mean, not that you can tell the future, but like what's in store for you? Cause I yeah, feel I like mean, you're just going to constantly be building companies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm, I'm very committed to this one. I feel pretty, um, I mean, it's just, it's so deeply personal. And yeah. so I'm not sure what the future looks like beyond some days. And we have, you know, we have our five year goals. We're two years into that now. Um, yeah. I mean, our mission is to transform and disrupt the way we manage period pain. And yeah. so growing and reaching more people and developing new product uh, to do that is. Yeah, our that's awesome. Mm -hmm. So where can people find your products? Uh, so we are available only at somedays.com currently. Okay. Awesome. Is there anything you would like to share that we haven't talked about? I feel like we could cover a lot of topics, to be honest. <laughs> uh, no, other than March is Endometriosis Awareness Month, uh, and some days is donating 10% of our proceeds to the Center for Pelvic Pain and Endometriosis all month. Um, and that's the clinic that I personally go to. Ah, uh, so awesome. it's very close to my heart. They're an incredible, incredible clinic, very innovative really focused on holistic approach to pain management and doing some really incredible research. So we're all over socials this month talking about, uh, talking about endometriosis. That's awesome. So follow some days on all the social media platforms, all the places. And this is a big month. You were telling me that it was a big month. That's a huge month. It's a big yeah. month. That's, that's, I mean, that's it's, exciting. It's exciting. It, it's very exciting. I mean, it, it's personal and then it's relevant to, you know, what we're trying to do. And it's really our time of year. It feels like Christmas for us. It's really our time of year to like connect with yeah. our family. So, and go check them out. If you suffer from period pain, endometriosis, any of that, they've got some really great products. Um, and you can find them at somedays.com. And, um, We'll leave a link uh, below for you guys to check them out. You can also um, check out more episodes on our website and uh, sign up for our newsletter and get more information about Lux. Thank you so much for joining us today. It was fantastic talking to you and I love your story and I look forward to uh, seeing the growth that you will in will have and i think it's going to be super exciting i um will probably have to check in and have you back on in like a year or so just to see all the amazingness that you've done yeah i can't wait to talk about it thank you so much for having me it was such a pleasure